Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. We are in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 10. This is God's word. Now Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that all the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and were living near them. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai. And all its men were good fighters. So Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Ezekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horan to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Now the five kings had fled and hidden in the cave at Makeda. When Joshua was told the five kings had been found hiding in the cave at Makeda, he said, roll large rocks up to the mouth of the cave and post some men there to guard it. But don't stop. 
Pursue your enemies, attack them from the rear, and don't let them reach their cities, for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. So Joshua and the Israelites destroyed them completely, almost to a man. But the few who were left reached their fortified cities. The whole army then returned safely to Joshua in the camp at Makeda, and no one uttered a word against the Israelites. Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. Then Joshua struck and killed the kings and hung them on five trees, and they were left hanging on the trees until evening. At sunset, Joshua gave the order, and they took them down from the trees and threw them into the cave where they had been hiding. At the mouth of the cave, they placed large rocks, which are there to this day. That day, Joshua took Makeda. He put the city and its king to the sword and totally destroyed everyone in it. He left no survivors. And he did to the king of Makeda as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua and all Israel with him moved on from Makeda to Libna and attacked it. The Lord also gave that city and its king into Israel's hand. The city and everyone in it Joshua put to the sword. He left no survivors there. And he did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua and all Israel with him moved on from Libna to Lachish. He took up positions against it and attacked it. The Lord handed Lachish over to Israel, and Joshua took it on the second day. The city and everyone in it he put to the sword, just as he had done to Libna. Meanwhile, Horham, king of Gezer, had come up to help Lachish. But Joshua defeated him and his army until no survivors were left. Then Joshua and all Israel with him moved on from Lachish to Eglon. They took up positions against it and attacked it. They captured it that same day and put it to the sword and totally destroyed everyone in it, just as they had done to Lachish. Then Joshua and all Israel with him went up from Eglon to Hebron and attacked it. They took the city and put it to the sword together with its king, its villages, and everyone in it. They left no survivors, just as at Eglon they totally destroyed it and everyone in it. Then Joshua and all Israel with him turned around and attacked Debir. They took the city, its king, and its villages and put them to the sword. Everyone in it they totally destroyed. They left no survivors. They did to Debir and its king as they had done to Libna and its king and to Hebron. So Joshua subdued the whole region, including the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills, and the mountain slopes, together with all their kings. He left no survivors. He totally destroyed all who breathed, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. Joshua subdued them from Kadesh Barnea to Gaza, from the whole region of Goshen to Gibeon. All these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener-supported. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch.
we are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wares Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. That's Wares Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is When we read this passage, if we're not careful, if we allow the world around us to squeeze us into its mold, we'll begin to sit as judges over this text. I don't know, there's a lot of bloodshed here. Lots of people being killed. He left no survivors. Doesn't that bother you? Whole cities full of people and he left no survivors. How can that possibly be God? A church I know well posted on their website, question from a parishioner. How can you reconcile the God of the Old Testament saying go in there and wipe out all the people with the God of the New Testament who loves us? I'm very glad that there are answers to these questions. And I'm delighted that God gives me the privilege of talking with you about that today. First of all, how do we reconcile the God of the Old Testament who says, go in there and kill them all and leave no survivors, with the God of the New Testament who says that his enemies will be destroyed in the fires of hell forever? Wait, maybe I didn't say that right. How do you reconcile the God of the Old Testament who said that the soul that sins shall die with the God of the New Testament who when his son bore our sins received the wrath of God and hung there on a cross, bleeding in agony, and quotes the psalm, inspired by his spirit, saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, we don't have to reconcile the God of the Old Testament with the God of the New Testament. He is the same God. And the miracle of the New Testament is that Jesus came to bear the wrath that we deserve. We deserve death. Not just physical death, but eternal death. We deserve to be destroyed because every single one of us in our natural state is God's enemy. The Bible's very, very clear that man doesn't just sort of have some pollutants. <laughs> Rather, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can know it? Our natural state, according to God in his word, Old and New Testament, is that we are filthy. And we need to realize that God is correct in his assessment of us. Our righteousness is like filthy rags in his sight. 
Our best stuff on our best day stinks. That's reality. And that's why the gospel's so amazing. That God would love sinners and send his son to save us. And that's what he did. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He died on the cross so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn us, but that through him we might be saved. But folks, you and I will never, ever, ever receive the grace of God until we know we really need it. Now, what does this have to do with this? Well, it has everything to do with this. Because if you understand that God is God and that we deserve death, then, as we've said in some previous lessons, when God comes along and says, it's time for these people to be wiped out, he has every right to do that. God has a right to say, it's time for these folks to die. Pastor Rudolph, I was wondering if you think God might maybe be given me that ministry, you know. Uh, there are some people, I've been looking in our culture, there's some people who I just really think, you know, it's time. No, that's not your job, okay? That is not your job. If you're having thoughts like that, you may be psychotic, okay? Get help soon, okay? The weapons we fight with are not physical, they are spiritual. I'm not saying God doesn't ever call anybody to work in the military or on the police force. I'm saying God isn't raising up vigilantes to go out on a mission. Got it? I hope you can understand the difference. Government is ordained by God. Romans 13. It does not bear the sword in vain. The rest of us have a right to bear arms. But it's not for the purpose of going out as vigilantes and trying to make this a righteous society. Don't be a nut. You're dangerous if you think that way. Well, we not only have all these people who got killed here, Look at verse 42, right at the end of the chapter. All these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign. Here's the phrase. Because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. But on the front end of the chapter, we have a really curious story. I mean, it's really kind of bizarre, you know. Uh, it may be headed up this way in your... Bible, if you've got little notes at the top of the chapters or something like that, it says, the sun stands still. The sun stands still. I mean, these primitive people. <laughs> oh, obviously, they did not have a proper scientific understanding. They, they thought that the sun was moving across the sky. <laughs> they didn't understand the earth is spinning, the sun is uh, relatively speaking, fixed. And uh, the earth is what's spinning and it makes it look like the sun moves across the sky. These people have obviously a very primitive, primitive mindset. And, and so, <clears throat> um, well, it wasn't just that they didn't have our 
scientific understanding. They actually had a spiritual view of what was going on. I mean, the sun was considered to have spiritual power, as did the stars and the moon and so forth. There were pagan people who worshipped these heavenly lights. And not only that, but um, it was a long time ago. And people's perception of things sometimes change over time, and stories get exaggerated. So, you know, I mean, we shouldn't be bothered by the fact that now, of course, with our scientific understanding, we realize this, this couldn't happen. I mean, if the Earth stopped spinning, <laughs> boy, we'd be in trouble. I mean, people, can you imagine? Stop spinning. If the Earth were to stop spinning, we'd all lurch to the side. This would be trouble. And, and think how dark it would be on the other side. This says for a whole day. Well, this is about a day. It's hard to tell when, you know, you rely on the sun to know what time it is. And the sun just stayed there. Pastor Wood, you don't really expect me to believe that really literally happened, do you? Well, first of all, the text doesn't say scientifically what happened. The text says in terms of what they experienced what happened, and that is that the sun stopped moving across the sky. If you think that's old-fashioned language, it's still the same language we use today. Scientists still talk that way about the sun's movement because they're describing it from an earthly perspective. But if you, for one skinny second, think that it would be hard for the God who created not only the earth, but the entire solar system and the entire universe, who created it out of nothing and did so by the word of his power, if you think it would be hard for him to do this, you don't know God. How hard is it for God to make the sun stand still? Not hard at all. But, but, but uh, you know, are you saying that the earth stopped spinning? No, I'm saying I have no clue of the mechanics of what happened here. I just know what the outcome was. From an earthly perspective, the sun stayed in the sky for about a day, allowing the Israelites to continue to pursue and attack and destroy their enemies. And this after an all-night march. These guys had an all-night march so that they could surprise the enemy the next day, which they succeeded in doing. And after marching all night, they fight all day, and it just keeps going on. It's like, I'm tired. Can we please go to bed? No, the sun has to go down first. <laughs> well, it's not moving. I know. Joshua told it not to. What was he thinking? And the amazing thing in this text was not just that the sun stood still, it was that God listened to a man. That's what it says in the text. Look at it. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down. About a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. 
The amazing thing was this was an answer to prayer. This was such a miraculous thing. God was demonstrating his power, his authority. He's in control. Trust in him. After this enormous victory, after God had controlled the weather and sent hailstones that killed more than the swords of Israel, the five kings are brought out of the cave. Joshua says to the leaders, put your feet on their necks. That was a sign of total domination over the kings that had sought to oppose the people of God. And he says, do not be afraid, verse 25. Do not be discouraged. How does the book of Joshua start out? Joshua is being told by God, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Be of good courage. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Joshua is now saying to them, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to the enemies you are going to fight. It was critical for these folks to understand. Our confidence is in the God who created all things and who rules the universe. Folks, you and I need to know that today. Our confidence is not in a political operation. Our confidence is not in the Supreme Court. Our confidence is in God. God is working out his purpose. And sometimes he will answer our prayers in things that seem remarkable, yet really in the grand scheme of things, not that significant. And other times he doesn't do what we're asking him to do about something that we feel so strongly about. Oh, God, why don't you do this? Please, God. And God sees fit to say, not now. Worship. Don't try to control God. But I want to learn, what do I have to do in order to get this kind of results? How do I make the sun stand still? God is the one who made the sun stand still. He did it in answer to prayer, but please understand this. While it is not difficult for an infinite God with all power to do what is scientifically unexplainable, God is God. And the very same attributes that make it possible for him to do what is humanly impossible and seems scientifically impossible, the very same attributes that give him the power and authority to do that also are the reason why he's in charge, not us. He knows what he's up to. Remember the Gibeonite deception? Here they are having to go rescue the Gibeonites. What a pain. What a frustration. God says, don't worry. I'm going to take your mistake and use it to give you victory over this whole region. Five kings have risen up and brought their armies against us. What are we going to do? God says, I was just pulling everybody together so you could kill them at once. I was just trying to simplify things for you. And after they've beaten these five armies, with the help of the Lord, they're ready to go take on those other armies with the help of the Lord. And as they did what God told them to do, they experienced victory after victory after victory 
after victory. You know what we need to do? Trust and obey. Do what God tells us. Don't worry about the outcome. If we mess up, realize that the God we serve is bigger than our mess ups. And he is able to take even our mistakes and use them as the intro to a great display of his power and glory and grace. Trust in God. Be courageous. Don't be discouraged. He loves you. He has all the power. And you can trust him. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.